this is something that you guys need to definitely get involved in. Elementary is the beginning of a lot of, I'm a parent, so this right here is near and dear to my heart. And I guess with this documentary, Elementary Genocide from Penitentiary, for me, from primary to penitentiary, this is very important. I want you guys to go out there and make sure you go to RashaEntertainment.com and get this documentary. But right now we're going to go ahead and bring in our guest right here. Brother Raheem, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, brother? Nothing much, man. We're, we're so excited to have you on tonight, man. Um, I'm, I'm not alone tonight. I got my, my, my good friend, Alan, my co-host, Jen. We want to talk to you tonight about this documentary, man. Okay, let's start it off. Most definitely. Um, Can I say man, something first? Yeah, go that ahead. When I watched your documentary, let me tell you, I am ready to, I recommend this documentary for everyone. I'm a mother of a black little boy, and I wanted to get my black beret and my fish shirt, and I wanted to take to the streets and change the world after I saw your documentary. So I was definitely inspired, and I hope other people tune in and watch it and are inspired as well. Thank you. I appreciate that, sister. It's definitely a timely message, and um, it needs to be told. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I just gave everybody a little rundown on who you are and some of the accolades and the things that you've done in your career. Could you let them know who you are and, and basically how did you get started in the industry? Okay. Um, you pretty much ran, you ran through my resume. A lot of this, a lot of old stuff I did. Uh from several years ago, I don't want to tell my age, but um, I, I started in this industry as a, a hip-hop journalist, and I, I pretty much written for every urban-driven magazine that there is at one time or another as a freelance writer, and um, I, I, I think basically that the market was changing. You know, um, when you're dealing with the magazine world, advertisement is the blood of the magazine, and so when everything went off online, I, I kind of like transitioned to my own website, Rasha Entertainment, and you know that's where everybody was able to find my byline and those that was following my writing career. They just came over there with me, and um, filmmaking is something that I always wanted to do. And I put out a, a short film. I won five awards from that. Went on to do a feature film. Uh, worked with Tyler Perry on, on four different films. And, um, you know, I, I figured, you know, if I can't tell the story through the written medium, then I can do it through film. Because uh -huh. if, if you let the hunter tell the story, you'll never know what happened with the line. That's you true. You know, so we got we to tell our own story. And, you know, I, I shot a lot of music videos and did a lot of things like that. But um, I always wanted to do documentaries. And I just needed a subject matter that resonated with myself. And that one was one that I, I picked. And um, I, I got so many more ideas and other documentaries. And so, um, that one is called Elementary Genocide from Primary to Penitentiary. Mm -hmm. And I have um, a sequel coming out um, that's going to be called uh, Border Education versus the Board of Incarceration. And that one is it goes a lot, lot more deeper because, as you know, brother Kevin, you can't, you can't just give it to everybody uh, all at once. You know, what I mean, some things take time, let it settle in because a lot of people's going to be shocked. They're going to be like, "Nah, this is unbelievable." 
you know, how could this be true? And, you know, but everything right. is on to fact. You know, most of this information is readily available on Google. You just have to do your research. So I, I have a quick question. Um, you know, we talk, we're, we're going to get into about the men and the boys today. Um, any plans on addressing women? Um, to me, you know, I had an experience this weekend where I saw, you know, black women, you know, at the doctor's office. I was thinking, you know, there is a genocide against black women, you know, with we are the leading, you know, people who have AIDS. We have AIDS and heart disease in this country. And, you know, are you going to address the sisters out there and the, the problems that we have and, and the attacks that we have upon us in this country as well? Oh, uh, yes. That, 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 that's definitely something that needs to be addressed. And even um, with this documentary, when we talk about uh, elementary genocide and then, you know, a lot of people, they, they see a cover of, on the cover, we have two uh, very young African-American, um, you know, uh, boys on there. But it, it also addresses the women as well, you know, because it's not just boys, it's African-American youth, you know. And mm-hmm. um, on the second documentary, like I just finished uh, – interviewing a female that um, was sentenced to over 30 years in jail. But the judge was leaning on her because she had a four-point grade average, first time getting in trouble. But um, under the census guidelines, she was supposed to do like 30 years. That was the young lady? Huh? Was that the young lady in Orlando that had the little prank with the science um, project? Say that again. Was that the young lady in Orlando, Florida, that had the science project that turned into a prank? Oh, no, no, this was a young lady here. Her name is uh, Desiree Lee. And okay. um, I just finished interviewing her. And, um, you know, we, we got to hear it from a woman's perspective as well because females mm-hmm. are getting caught up in the criminal justice system. You know, the, 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 the prison industrial complex does not discriminate. You know, their, their job is to fill bodies. And um, I don't think a lot of people are aware that there's a lot of companies that are invested in the prison industrial complex. For instance, Wells Fargo, um, Microsoft, Victoria's Secret, all of these companies are, are have investment in the prison industrial complex, whether they're invested in the stock or whether they got prisoners that are working for less than a dollar a day working on products that they sell to the consumer. And um, oh. the only way... Excuse me, guys. Could I guess? I just said, oh, wow. Um, you know, like, in this... When you just started to discover these things, and, and, like, how did you come to say, you know, this information was so massive, so... How did you decide that you were going to do this documentary? What inspired you to, to touch on this subject in particular? Was it just the information was just so overwhelming about, you know, the, the different corporations and the system that, that you wanted to, to share with the world, rather? Uh, absolutely. It, it, the, the information was not only overwhelming, but from personal experience, um, my, myself included, I found myself in trouble with the criminal justice system. Um, when I went, when I when I got in trouble, I didn't even have a GED. You know, um, while I was you know locked up, I got I would wind up acquiring a GED. I went to college. I graduated in uh, top ten percent of my class, and I got released eight days later. You know, but had I not went to college and did what I did, 
I would I, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you right now. And the reason why I was able to go to college because after I got accepted into college, I got my letter, and then the next week I got another letter telling me that um, the state of New York is no longer paying for college degrees for inmates because you had inmates that was getting their doctors and their masters and things like that. So um, I wind up, it was a, a, a church that was going to pay for 21 inmates' um, college education. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was l- the lucky one. You know, I had to write a resume. Um, someone had to refer me, and I had to go through a strenuous process. And I wound up getting accepted in there, you wow. know. And so mm-hmm. that's how my, my journalism career took off. When I came out, I, I started, you know, doing journalism for different magazines and different publications. Yeah, because I, I do recall you, man. Um, I think we do have a mutual friend, our good friend Charlie Braxton, and uh, me should be calling yeah. in tonight, also, man. Um, but I mean, with with your experiences and the things that you've gone through, you know, um, was it hard? Was it hard for you to envision yourself at this point right here? Um, yeah and no. You know, um, it, it, it was hard because when when I look back. I, I didn't, you know, I knew I wasn't going back to jail. That that that, right. that was one thing, you know. Um, I tell people all the time that um, I knew I wasn't going to ever commit a crime, but I couldn't say that I wouldn't be arrested for one because just by the virtue of me being a black man and already having a record, yeah. that um, I could just be picked up and once they run my name, they'll say, yeah, this is him, you know, he's known for this or whatever. But I knew that I wanted to do something different. I, I wanted to make a change, and I really didn't know what that change was going to be until I had to um, make a decision. You know, do I want to work in corporate America or do I want to work for myself? And I decided to work for myself because I was working in the financial institution and everyone was getting laid off. Uh-huh. And um, the day that everyone got laid off, um, the last day of work, it was a Friday. I never forget. I was supposed to go and get my check, and I never went in. Um, that same day, I started shooting movies, and I never looked back ever since. So um, from there, it, it became easy. You know, once I realized what I wanted to do, and I just took the initiative, and I didn't stop. Yeah, because I mean, you can definitely give great, great inspiration to a, a lot of young mm-hmm. guys out there. You know, because I mean, even with the it's documentary. So that we do know, um, that I know personally, that have been, you know, in, I guess, the criminal justice system. You're lucky because in Georgia, where we are, um, you, you cannot attend a college and, and it, you can't even do correspondence courses in our uh, penal system here in Georgia. Um, so, like, like, what is, like, you know, so many of them are in despair. So many of them you know, think that that's the end, that that's the the end. Like, what was what was your catalyst to say, this isn't going to define me, and I'm not going to be entrapped by this? Um, I, I had a great support system, um, family, friends, you know. Um, once, once, once I was um, incarcerated, that, that's, a, that's, that's a main component, you know. You got to have, you got to have people there, you know. You got to know that people care. And I, I think the catalyst for me was, you know, I also have a son. And, um, you know, my son kind of, you know, grew up seeing me in that predicament. And I didn't want that for him. You know, so I had to, I had to come out and make a change, and that's what I did. 
And, and there's there's so many other people that want to make that change, but they have to have the right direction. You know, um, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people like depending on what your felony is, you can't get um, public assistance. You can't you can't get housing. You're not eligible for student loans. So it, it, it's getting harder and harder for people that that's incarcerated and, and that come out. So you have to find, but there's also, you know, there's also jobs where they don't ask you about your criminal background. And that's something that we explore in the next documentary. Um, you can actually work for Delta, you know, in certain positions where if you do tell them that you have a criminal record, you know, you still can get a job as long as you're honest. And um, there's certain states where they can't go back more than seven years, certain states for 10 years. And um, I think it's in Jersey or in another state. I'm not really sure what the state is, but you can Google it. Um, they have this thing called um, the Black Box. Yeah. They're not even allowed to ask you about your criminal background record, you know, during the application process. And then I guess once you're hired, you can tell them, depending on what it is, they have to keep you on the job. You know, but see, a lot of, a lot of people don't know that. You know, there's people that... Um, that been incarcerated and they've been out 10, 15 years. And they think that, you know, they can't get a job. Because every application is going to ask you, do you have a criminal background, you know? And if they yeah. were 10 or 15 years ago, but no, you know, because they don't supposed to go back to, to a certain amount of years. Now, you know what I'm saying? I, I want to definitely dive into the documentary. And before we do that, I see we do have a caller, and this is our good friend Charlie right here. Charlie, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? How y'all doing? All right, we're live tonight hey, with our brother Raheem Shabazz. Hey, and we're talking about his uh, documentary, Elementary Genocide from Primary to Prison. I mean, Primary to Penitentiary. What's on your mind, Charlie? Well, I, I think this is a, a good topic. It's a timely topic. It's certainly something I've written about uh, when I was a commentator for BET.com. I think one of the things that we have to bring into this mix is the ever-growing prison industrial complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that the, the move spearheaded by a lot of right-wing Republicans and greedy capitalists are privatizing prisons all over the world, not just in America, but globally. And uh, when you're privatizing these prisons, then the motivation for these prisons is not rehabilitation is not helping people. It's not even punishing people. It's to make a profit. And in order to make a profit, you know, for a prison, a prison has to remain relatively full, which means at that point when you have uh, groups like Alex, which are writing a lot of these laws that are causing young black men to go and Latino men or even poor whites to go to jail, and stay there uh, arbitrarily. I think that's something that needs to be looked at. It needs to be challenged. Um, Even to the point of the music, I don't know whether or not, I I think I told you about this, but um, it's interesting now that black hip-hop in particular and black music in general, but hip-hop in particular, really Mm -hmm. hip-hop, made a switch toward more gangsterism uh, after the L.A. riots. Um, well, you know but, what, Charlie? I mean, that's one of the things that he did cover in this documentary because, you know, when you get the opportunity to see it, you know, 
you will know that that is a, that is one of the contributing factors of our children getting put in a predicament that they're in put in prison, and you know starts at a young age because you know the music is repetition over repetition and they hear it. But one thing, but, but um, let me add something to that. There was a. Have you seen the letter that was floating on the internet? It's kind of hard to find that letter now, but it still exists. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that letter. Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and uh, you know, some people are saying it's almost like a, a Willie Lynch letter. But having been in the music business, I can tell you, if you just trace the rise of gangster rap along a parallel line, when they said that this meeting took place, it's a frightening parallel. Most definitely. Charlie, um, what we're going to do, man, we're going to put you on hold, man. We're going to get right back at Raheem right quick. And if you got any other comments or anything, I'm going to bring you back in, all right? All right, well, you all be good, man. I'll just be listening in on the uh, uh, Internet so I can uh, keep the Q code uh, open. Okay, all right. Well, thank you. Thank right. you, Charlie. Right. We missed you. Oh, no problem. Missed you, too. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, Kevin. Um, yeah, Ryan. Kevin. Yeah, yeah I, I, I want to um, add on to what he said. Um, that group that he's talking about, Alex, those mm-hmm. are the same ones that wrote the standing, uh, Stand Your Ground Law. You right. know, um, and they was able to get that. Well, they, you know, they positioned the politicians to be able to get that passed in the law by putting up money. This is a special right. interest group that gives these uh, um, politicians money. But another thing I want to say, and it's to piggyback on what he said about um, these private corporations that are privatizing prisons, there's two main ones. One of them is called GEO, and another one is called CCA. These are the two leading private prisons. And last year in September, they sent out a letter to 48 states. And what they were telling these 48 states is that we can take over your prison and you don't have to run it and we, and you can pay us to run it at a, a discount cost and as long as you guarantee that we can have a 90% occupancy for the next 20 years. That is crazy. You know, how can you, how can when, you guarantee when I, when I, a 90% occupancy? Mm-hmm. When I, um, I I used to belong to an organization called Families Against Mandatory Minimum, so I would hear these horrific stories about first-time offenders, people for nonviolent crimes, getting these, you know, extremely long prison sentences, you know, in cases where, you know, maybe probation or community service or sometime, some type of rehabilitation program probably would have been more effective. And, you know... This this organization, Families Against Mandatory Minimums, they still exist. And, like, it has changed a little bit, but it, a lot of it hasn't changed. And when I saw that in your documentary about, you know, the 90%, you know, fulfillment of these prisons, I thought, what could we do? Like, what what could someone do, like, in my community? What could I do? Like, how do we solve this? Well, they they have um, several organizations. Um, one of them in particular, I don't remember the name of them right now, but they out of uh, California, and um, it was about three thousand students. They went and protested in front of um, a company that um, was invested in the prison, 
And, you know, you know, because sometimes these people, they invest money and they don't even know what they invested in. They just know that they're getting a return on their money. But if people divest from these companies, Wells Fargo, Victoria's Secret, Microsoft, and any of those other companies, like all every federal government, the furniture that's in there, the prisoners bill. You know, uh, a lot of stuff that people don't don't believe. Like people used to just think that prisoners do license plates. There's so many other things that they use in prison labor for. You know, and it's like 21st century slavery. And if people divest from these companies, then I think when you hurt them at their pocket, you know that 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 would stop all of it. Mm. Right. It's another uh, entity that you know I. Uh, this is Alan speaking that I do not support anymore and that's the Jordan brand, Michael Jordan. I, I don't support him because he supports private prison. Um, and I, you know, try to enlighten some of my cohorts about that as well too because a lot of my peers, you know, they buy Jordan and I say like, you're giving money towards private prison to put us in prison. And every year when new Jordans come out, who the ones that are on the uh, T V news robbing and stealing for my for, for Jordan's who he actually funds these private prisons to put us in. Yeah, yeah. And it, 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 it's sad, it's a shame, and, you know, something needs to be done, and, you know, I'm the voice that, that, that's going that's to speak about it. Brothers and sisters like y'all need to speak about it, and I think that collectively, if our voices is heard and more people see the documentary and we have more community meetings and people talk about it and rally around it, a lot can be done. And that's that's my ultimate goal. Um, I'm actually going to be touring the country with the documentary. I got a lot of different speaking engagements lined up, and I'm just trying to get the word out to you. Oh, mm-hmm. You know, one of the most alarming things that I, that I found in your documentary, I have a little boy, and he's 18 months old, and when there was a statistic that was said that, you know, it starts... The, the, you know, miseducation starts not, you know, in third grade, but it starts in preschool. And I was horrified by this fact, you know, thinking that, you know, I have this little boy and, you know, all these things are against him from the very innocent beginning. And, you know, what do you say to mothers like me, especially single mothers out there that are raising sons? Because the fact we talk about this all the time on the Middleman Show about the black family dynamic and how it has changed. And you have a lot of homes now where, you know, single mothers are the head of the household and they don't have that father role to guide them, you know, a lot a lot of times, you know, in the right direction. What do you say to those women? If you're in a position, you know, you know, you said you're a single mother, so I'm assuming that, you know, you, you, you're the breadwinner and you work and things like that. But if I advise people, if you're in a position, um, the other alternative is homeschool or sending your child to a school that has an Afrocentric-centered education, you know, because when, when, when we say that they, they do them for failure because as soon as they get of age and they get in, in, in these schools and they start having these curriculums, you, you, you know what they teach come Columbus Day. You know what they teach come Thanksgiving. And once they're not being taught anything that's Afrocentric or something that they can relate to, this has a psychological effect on them, and it, and it, and it starts early, 
and it grows on into their teenage years. Um, in the documentary, there's a, uh, a young gentleman, his name is Devin, and he was actually in the fourth grade when I started uh, filming him. And at that time, he, was, he wasn't he was doing too good in school. And, um, you know, he was in a, what was supposed to be a good school because, you know, technically it was, it was a white school in a, in a good neighborhood. And um, he just wasn't, you know, um, getting good grades. But as soon as he went to a school where his teachers was black and everyone around him was black, they made him feel like family. And yeah. now he's an honor roll student. You know, he, he's in a, a robotic class, and he's doing exceptionally well. And he talks about that in the documentary. And yeah. actually, in documentary two, we're going to follow back up with him and see where he's at. He wants to be a, a, a paleontologist. He taught me that word. <laughs> you know, he, he's, in, he's in the fifth grade. And I did, it took me a while. I was like, what? What is that? And he broke it. He, he, it's, it's on the um, documentary, pa- paleontologist. I can't even still say it. But this, this white 50-year-old, you know, he was telling me, you know, now that he's in this school, he's in a robotic class, and this is where he want to be. You know, you couldn't ask me that in the fifth grade. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I wanted to I wanted to turn on the TV and watch cartoons at that age. For all those people that's out there listening right now, if you would like to get in the conversation as far as asking our guest Raheem Shabazz a question about the uh, documentary, Please dial seven one eight five zero eight nine nine seven two. Now, Raheem, one thing I noticed, man, you have some heavy hitters um, with the cast on this particular documentary. You know, Dr. Umar Johnson. You got uh, you got Dr. Boyce Watkins. You know what I'm saying? Supreme Understanding. We got Killer Mike. I mean, you have some heavy hitters and some you know on this documentary. What was the process of choosing the cast for this particular documentary? Uh, you know what? It wasn't it wasn't really hard at all because um, you know, Umar Johnson, Doctor Umar Johnson, that's what he do. You know, he's a clinical psychiatrist. He's been speaking about this for for a minute. Um, and how I got in contact with that brother is uh, Professor Griff from Public Enemy. I was trying to get him on there. He said, Nah, brother. He said that ain't, you know. He said I got someone that you you know that that's a particular field. You know, um, and he introduced me to uh, Omar Johnson, and we became real cool and tight. And you know, we we did it. Uh, Supreme understanding. That's my brother, so it was easy for me to get him. Killer Mike. You know, uh, me being in the in the uh, in the entertainment industry, I know a lot of celebrities. And I didn't. And one thing I didn't want. I didn't want a celebrity driven. I could have had the biggest rap star on there, but if this is not something that resonates with them, you know, or something that they're passionate about, I didn't want him on there. And the killer right. Mike, you know, this is something that, you, you see, he brought the point home, you know, and Killer Mike is one of those rappers that is eloquent, you know, and he's for the people, and he definitely can deliver the message. And we sat down and we talked about it, and we just let the cameras roll. It was like a conversational uh, 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 conversation, a topic with, with me and him. But I, well, one thing I will tell you what was hard and um, disappointing, and I hope I don't run into that on the second one, mm. is that um, I wanted to get inside the schools. You know, I was able to get in, a, in, like, two schools, but there was more schools that I wanted to get in that, you know, initially they said, yeah, you know, I'll send them the clip of the documentary, and it'll be like, nah, you're not going to shoot that here. <laughs> and, you know, I had teachers 
that reached out and, and you know, after, you know, they have to get permission and then they'll come back and be like, Raheem, I can't, you know, my job is on the line and, and things like that. Like I had one teacher, um, and it was a charter school, and I didn't know that, uh, you know, uh, public money finances some of, some of the charter school money mm-hmm. in addition mm-hmm. to them doing fundraisers. And, um, you know, when he found out what it was about, he told me, nah, he couldn't do it because, you know, they received funding from Atlantic Public School System. And what I was asking him was, how do you feel about the latest scandal with the teachers that was teaching, uh, cheating on the test for these students and just passing them and not teaching them? You know, and he couldn't address that, you know what I mean? And he was like, you know, we're going to probably have to cut that cam off. And, you know, he asked me, can you see the questions I was going to ask him? And um, it's hard. And, you know, I get I understand, you know, I'm not trying to um, mess up anybody's livelihood. If that's how you earn your money by being a teacher, I would hate for you to be on this documentary and um, lose your job, you know, for saying something that's truthful. You know, um, I just I just hope that while they're in the classroom that they're doing something different so that we can stop this school-to-prison pipeline. Now, we do have a clip from the documentary, if it's okay with you, that we want to play. Um, it's, it's in regards to the link uh, to prison and education. Um, I think this is Dr. Umar Johnson that is uh, speaking upon this. So I want to pique the interest of our listeners out there to make sure that they go and support this documentary so we're going to play this clip, this clip, and then we're going to go right back into this conversation, all right? Okay. All right. Let it go. If you want to make sure black men become criminals, then you must systematically miseducate them, not in fourth grade, not in second grade, but beginning in preschool. In fact, many of us realize that the black boy has been miseducated by the time he reaches the fourth grade. So as a result, many of us erroneously believe that the miseducation starts in the fourth grade. I argue the opposite. The miseducation begins the first day a black boy sets foot into a preschool or a kindergarten classroom. For example, right now as we speak, less than half of all the black boys in the United States of America can read on grade level who are in the fourth grade right now. Less than half of all fourth grade black boys in the United States of America can read on grade level. So if we know that, the question becomes, where are these boys going to be 15 years from now? Where are they going to be 10 years from now? The answer is, unfortunately, most of them are going to be in jail. The Corrections Corporation of America. CCA, Corrections Corporation of America, don't miss this, recently sent a letter to 48 U.S. governors, yours was included, announcing the Investment Initiative, a new plan to spend up to $250 million to buy prisons from state, local, and federal government entities on the conditions of a minimum commitment of 20 years for the facility, maintaining 90% capacity over the 20-year period. I'm waiting on y'all to be offended. We cannot go for that. We cannot go for that, all right? Because you know, as long as prisons are big business, 
As long as they are money-making ventures in capitalistic America, then guess what? You're going to have get-to-phone crime. You're going to have mass incarceration and what Michelle Alexander calls the new Jim Crow. And that was a clip from Elementary Genocide from Primary to the Penitentiary. Uh, we got our brother Raheem Shabazz on the phone with us. This is a great documentary. We advise everybody to make sure you go to RashaEntertainment.com, pick up this one. If you got a PayPal, click on the actual uh, photo of the documentary cover and get it right now. I know a lot of y'all out there, yeah. like, man, I, I web chat right now is like crazy. <laughs> All right, Brother Raheem. Yes, what's going on, brother? And that clip right there, man, um, it was surprising for me to see when we watched the documentary that you had a reverend to speak about it because even when you look at the uh, the church institution nowadays, it seems like they're more opted not to speak on it just like you had the teachers that were somewhat scared to speak on it. Um, how? I mean, what what is the correlation as far as with the church, the school, and our children? Um. It's good that you say that, right? Um, there is a lot of preachers that are all talking about it. I just I just went out um, Thursday to a church where they had uh, youth intervention, and they had someone that was there that was speaking about the school-to-prison pipeline. And um, I was out there filming for that. Um, you know, some, some of our, well, back in the day, some of our most staunch ministers, you know, Nat Turner was a minister, you right. know, and they spoke about stuff that was going on in the community, you know, um, and there's some that's doing it, but you're not going to hear about it, you know, you're not you're not going to hear about it. You're going to hear about T.D. Jakes, you're going to hear about Creflo Dollar, and when it comes to those that are trying to uplift and, and liberate the black community, unless it's a black-owned media, you're not going to hear about it. That's but true. you know the church, the church is, is getting actively in, involved. You know, um, this is one of the biggest things that's that's on on, on the radar. You know, uh, I got a clip of President Obama where he's talking about the the prison industrial complex, and um, whether he's going to do something about it or not, that's yet to be seen. But a lot of people are talking about it. You know. Even even uh, the rapper everybody know and love as Kanye West that's walking around here uh, wearing a Confederate flag like he ain't got oh. no sense. He talks yeah. about that on uh, the prison industrial complex on um, that song The New Slave. Right. You know, um, J. Cole uh, addressed it in his um, song Cook a Smile. So, you know, I, I think right now um, it's a timely message and um, rappers from politicians, that everybody is talking about it now is just a, a plan and a course of action that has to be taken so that we can uh, eradicate this. Most definitely. Now, when we look at the school system, and uh, I mean in the movie, in the documentary itself, there was a particular part in there where they were talking about the oppressor teaching the oppressed. And I know oh, yeah. in our conversation a few minutes ago, we were saying if you had a school that was you know, predominantly black or, or had black teachers, male teachers, black male teachers, it would be better for our children. Um, could you speak on, you know, the reason why, you know, it's best for our children to be taught by people that look like them? Um, self-esteem, you know, um, it, it, it doesn't 
resonate with a child if you tell them that they come from African queens and, and, and kings and queens and that we was the father of medicine from a person that is not melanated. Right. And um, uh, another thing is, you know, if you look at the public school system, African-American youth are being suspended three times more than, than white, their counterparts. And they're being suspended, and they're being um, sent to the, instead of the, the, to the principal's office, you have a police officer, and they're being arrested for misdemeanors and minor infractions. And, you know, statistics tells you that those that are arrested in school are, are two times more to drop out of school and three times more likely to end up in the prison system. You know, um, anything from chewing gum loudly in class and different things like that, you're bound to go to school for. I mean, you're bound to go to jail for while yeah. you're in school. We just had a young man, uh, I think it was in Texas, it was on the news, where they just arrested him for turning the library book late. You know, yeah, he held on to a GED library book for three years, and they sent that man to jail. You know, at a time when we're trying to get our youth to read, and we tell them reading is fundamental, this man, this man got a record because he held on to the library book for too long. Well, three years is a long time, but maybe it took him three years to get to learn arithmetic and mathematics, and you know. But it, it just goes to show you, you know, it never was like that, and there's a reason why it's like that now is because the 48 states that we talked about is trying to maintain a 90% occupancy rate in those prisons because when those prisons were filled. You, prison, for those that don't know, it's like a world of its own. You got doctors in there. You got cooks. You know, anything that's going on in society, you, you got police union, correction officers union, and different things like that. They, 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 they said that if under, that, under the um, mandatory minimum and the, the sentencing guidelines, that if they were to let a million inmates out early or give them a reduced sentence that it would be almost like $50 billion lost in a year. So wow. just think about wow. the loss of letting those inmates out earlier that are first-time felony offenders and that got low, uh, um, you know, nonviolent crimes. Wow. I hope, I'm hope, I hope everybody that's listening right now is paying attention to what this brother is saying because you may have a nephew, you have a brother, you know what I'm saying? You have, a, a, you know, cousins or whatever the case may be. These are the things that you need to pay attention to because, in my opinion, it's a plan. It might not even be, have to be my opinion. You see it in fruition right now. It's out there. It's right there in front of your face, and it starts at an early age. Early mm-hmm. age. Now, for, it, for those kids that... It starts at such an early age, you know. A lot of the kids don't have, you know, an Afrocentric school, or even parents that have knowledge of, you know, um, I guess, comedic empire or the Kush empire, or or who we are as a people. And to those kids, their heroes aren't, you know, you know, um, people that, you know, are are leaders. They're, they're people like Little Wayne. In your documentary, you spoke of, you know, there, there was a someone who spoke of Little Wayne and how they compared Little Wayne to Malcolm Little before he was Malcolm X. And how, you know, this person has this negative, you know, influence on our youth. You know, 
what do you think about, you know, how do we change that in the music industry and what influences our children? So hip-hop is such, you know, a part of their lives, their world. How do we infiltrate that and change that? Well, there's an ongoing struggle right now to um, have those that are rapping about socially conscious, you know, lyrics, for them to be more public and to be on radio and different things like that. And I think with the Internet, you know, you don't have to go to traditional radio. If traditional radio is not playing it, you can always find it on the Internet. And I think, you know, we got to change our mindset of what we want to hear as a people. You know, um, I'm not going to lie. Some of the stuff I, I like to hear, but some of the stuff is just like it's, it's, it's too redundant, you know, um, you know, when I was growing up, there always was, you know, you had gangster music, you had conscious rap, but now you don't have that. You know, ain't no one talking about fight the power, you know, and if they is, you're not hearing them on the radio. Matter of you know, fact, so if, you, if you remember back in the day, um, even after a certain period of time, you did not hear certain records. Now you can hear it all throughout the day. That's true. Which is crazy. You know what? Let, let me let, let me say something, right? Uh, Ti did an interview, and you can go up on the internet and look this up, right? You know, um, he's no longer with Atlantic Records. He's a free agent. Right. And one of the things that they told him, they didn't want him to do that family hustle thing, right? Mm-hmm. They said that it would mess up his image, and they like to thug out Ti, and that. You know the the family image thing is making him appear to be soft, and those are those are his words out of his mouth that a white executive over at Atlantic Records said that. You know, what I mean, here it is. You know, a, a, a rapper that's showing his real side of himself as being a father, a married man, and being actively involved in his kids' life, and they were telling him that that's hurting his image and it's making him soft. You know, and he was like, yo, he liked the new image that he had. You know what I mean? Right. And this is the whole reality show was. So, and despite what he may rap about, you know what I mean? It's supposed to be just music. It's supposed to be just entertainment. You know what I mean? But these record labels want people to really, you know, believe this is how you live and this is how you're supposed to live when that ain't the reality of it. You know? And it's a big word. And the key word in what you said, well, what T.I. said, as far as who told him that, it was a white male. They yeah. don't know where we come from. Like, T.I. has came from that, but T.I. is not living that lifestyle no more. T.I. kids are not living that lifestyle. T.I. kids' kids will never live that lifestyle because of what he is trying to instill in them. So, in the, so the things that they are trying to promote is what that so-called letter that was floating around is continuing to promote is the destruction of the black people. Very true. Um, if you're just tuning in, we are talking with Raheem Shabazz, Director of Elementary Genocides from Primary to Penitentiary. One thing I want to get into, and if you guys would like to get in and have a question about this documentary or how you can get it, dial 718-508-9972. Uh, one thing I want to get into, and, and Alan kind of spoke about it as far as a cycle. As he spoke with T.I. and his children, they will never repeat the same cycle that he had to go uh, grow up with. So, I mean, in the documentary, you have um, 
So I want to speak about the cycle and how we can end this cycle. Um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, what we can do as a people to end this cycle and, and, and you know what I'm saying, what are some of the processes that we need to make make sure we take the steps to end it? I think one of one, one of the main things is is that we shouldn't rely on the government to do it for us. You sure. know, um, it would be a good thing that, you know, with the sentencing guidelines, that be restructured and changed and different things like that. But at the end of the day, we need to stop going to jail, you know. Um, and then also, we need to start teaching our kids from a young age, you know, um, when they come home, you know, it's not always let them be in front of the TV, the video game, and this and things like that. You know, make them read a book a week. Right. You know, it, it starts at home. You know, school doesn't end just because the bell rings. You know, when they come home, you know, give them, give them book assignments. You know, let them read books that they can resonate with. You know, African-themed books, books that have that have stories that talk to them, to their to they heart, to their spirit. Not about Christopher Columbus, you know. And, and if you tell your kids don't lie, and then you, you have them reading a book about Christopher Columbus, that's the biggest lie. So, you know, we just, as, as parents, we got to be able to teach our kids. And I, and I tell everybody all the time, you know, we're the holders and keepers of ourselves and our responsibility. So at the end of the day, it's on us. And I think okay. that is... If each individual do that, we'll be in a better position. Now, the one thing the, the brother was speaking on in the documentary also was saying that we have to have people around us that know better and basically speaking up to say, hey, you don't have to be the way that your mother or your father or your cousins or your brothers, you know, be. Because, I mean, if like he was saying, if you see three members of your family go to prison, you're opted to think that that is life and that's the way it's supposed to be. So, I mean, that's one thing that we definitely speak about on the Middleman Talk Show. You know, we love our people, and we want to see our people do well. And, and, you know, we try to reinforce that thought process of your destiny is not determined by your surroundings at all times. You know, we love to say products of our environment. I know a lot of people that ain't the product of the environment. They made their own environment what they wanted to be by being positive. Now, right. I think that, I think that your documentary was an inspiration for you know a, a lot of people aren't knowledgeable of these things that are happening in their community in their world and as you educate your children educate yourselves and I think that that's what I came away from your documentary that you know continue to educate yourself about your community about who you are and the type of person that you want to reflect upon your community and your children to be, you know, that's that's what you should strive for. And that's that's the feeling that I came away from your documentary. It's very powerful. And, you know, again, like Kevin said, if every, all our listeners out there, I think especially to mothers, and I'm speaking to the ladies now, if you have a son or, or, you know, you love a little boy, a little black boy, and you're a little girl too, you know, you have a child this is a this is a must that you have to see this. It's, it's ne- a necessity. Most definitely. Um, Jim, right now we do have a caller that would like to uh, speak with Raheem. Uh, this is my man, Messiah. What's up, Messiah? You live with the middleman of Raheem Shabazz. Peace, Captain. Uh, good to speak to you, brother. Most definitely. Uh, I just want to, uh, you know, salute the brother Raheem Shabazz uh, on his efforts, everything he's involved with, the things that he's saying. Of course, Kevin, as you know, you know me for years. Yeah. Mirror a lot of my thoughts 
and the things he's saying uh, exciting, electrify me when I hear him speaking on the accountability that we need to take for the children. When I hear him speaking on uh, putting things into motion, such as when you come home instead of that video game, you will do a written report, you will read, you will research. These are definitely all I'm doing is affirming that these are definitely all the things we need to be focused on: accountability and a conscious, uh, collective effort to take responsibility for the actions that we're portraying that that our children are reflecting. Most definitely, man. Raheem, did you get all that, my brother? Yes, I did, I did. And um, you're right, you know, reading is fundamental. We got to read to our kids. We got to teach them. We got to empower them. And we got to move this generation forward. And um, Dr. Tony Stevens, he said in the documentary, with a credit card, you had debt. But with a library card you'll forever be rich. So those right, that got library cards, y'all need to get in those public libraries and get a book. You know, and, and, and what's ironic, we're talking about, you know, black teachers. It was a white teacher. Uh, I think I was in probably the sixth or seventh grade, and she gave me a book, uh, Man, Child, and the Promised Land. And um, we had to read that book, you know what I mean? And from there, that's when I knew I wanted to be a writer. But there's right. books out there. You just got you. If you read enough, you'll read a book that will spark a change in you. You know, That's and that right. and that that was a change in me. I, I wanted to be a writer. You know, and by being a writer, you can visit different places, use your imagination, and you can see the world over. You know, the Definitely. world is not confined to where you live at, what in uh, economical status you may be in. You know, and that's why reading is so important. It opens the minds of our youth, and I employ everybody, man, to read to their kids. Read, and read. If I may interject, if I may interject, um, just to uh, uh, bear witness to the empowerment of reading, I myself come from a, what they would consider a statistical environment. I was uh, born and raised in Chicago uh, to a mother who was uh, uh, on drugs, and that came with everything you would expect. That came with relying on government programs and funding. That came with schools that had uh, Neanderthalic textbooks and teachers with no desire to teach the children. That came with the only men in the environment uh, being hustlers uh, and pimps uh, and gangsters. And being an avid reader empowered me to the position where even through all of these uh, hurdles, people had the assumption that somehow I came from somewhere else, that I was from an educated background, that I went to school, that I went to college. We're talking about somebody who got a GED in jail, and the only reason I did it then is because you got to leave the block and travel down the hall and go to another block. But because of my dedication to reading in my own personal life, you know, long before I ever went to college, people had the assumption that I was college educated, and reading made me know that I could you know, be whoever or whatever I wanted to be. And and, and it took me to places, as, as you were saying, in time and time past and present around the world that even though I couldn't get there physically, reading it, that connection with that mental collective really put me in these places. And, and I was able to walk away with the experiences from every book that I read as if they were my own. So that's important to point out, too, I think. Most definitely. Man, Messiah, man, we appreciate you for calling in and showing love to the brother Raheem Shabazz, man. Hey, tell the people to keep tuning in and download the show, man. Yes, sir. 
Kevin, I got to walk into this function. And yeah, it's I was going to tell you, you man, I know, you, I know you're about busy right now, man, and we appreciate you for taking your time tonight, man, and uh, we're going to make sure we keep supporting this documentary. Man, I'll be talking with you later, my brother, and we thank you very much. All right. Thank and you so much. Thing. Okay, this is another thing before I go, right? Um, I have a, um, a premiere here in Atlanta. And what I want to do is I want to um, invite you guys out. I want to give you our tickets to it and probably, you know, give a couple of tickets online. You know, you can give out to some of, to some of the listeners. Okay. Um, I actually don't have a date right now. I was looking at January 6th. If not the 6th, I may do it Martin Luther King weekend. I'm not really sure. But as soon as I find out, I'm definitely going to let you know. And uh, maybe we'll do some type of raffle. In addition to giving tickets, we'll give some of your uh, readers, uh, some of your listeners, I say readers, see? I'm all about readers. Yeah. You hear me? I'm the readers. I'm all about readers. But we'll give some of them um, documentary. You know what I mean? Um, maybe we do something where they can answer a question or something like that. But um, I, I just want to get the word out there. I thank everybody for tuning in, for listening, and, and God bless. Most definitely, man. We thank appreciate you. it. And that was Brother Raheem Sebastian, Elementary Genocide from Primary Community. Make sure y'all go get that documentary. Support this brother right here. We've seen it. I'm inspired by it. As my co-host said, we definitely, Al and Jen, we love what you do, my brother. You stay strong, and we definitely will be supporting you. All right, one more thing, man. I want to give a shout-out, man. I got, I got to give this shout-out, man. I want to give a shout-out to my man, Goss, from Oh My Goss Productions. Uh, He's one of the uh, producers on the documentary, and uh, whenever I called on him, man, he didn't have no problem coming out and, and helping me on it, you know, from the earliest stages of it. He's seen us from script to screen, so I definitely have to give him a shout-out. So y'all, y'all, stay, y'all stay blessed. All right, you too, my brother. Thank you very much. All right, peace. All right. And that was Raheem Shabazz, director of the Elementary Genocide from Primary to Penitentiary, and man, we, hey, Jen, we, we, I, I'm telling you, man, I'm so inspired by it. I, I don't know what to tell our listeners out there as far as going to get this documentary because I'm telling you, it is very, very think, crucial, very important. As a parent, I think it's crucial. As a parent of an African American child, I think it's crucial to watch this documentary. I think it's crucial to be conscious of what's happening in our communities across the country. I think that it's a blessing that, you know, we've had the opportunity to view it, and I want other people to to have the opportunity, too, because it's real. You know, like I said to him in the first beginning to all our listeners, if you weren't tuning in before, when I first thought, like, I want to put on my black beret, get my fist up, hit the streets, because, you know, it terrified me because I do have a son and I know a lots of mothers and fathers out here that have children want to arm themselves with as much knowledge they can so their children do not become victims of a systematic society out to destroy them most definitely um I mean once again Rasha Entertainment is R-A-S-A R-A-S-A H I'm sorry R-A-S-H A-E, well, entertainment.com, RashaEntertainment.com. Make sure, as soon as you get on that link right there, you will definitely see where you can pre-order it, and you can go ahead and get that documentary. 
Um, I, I forgot to ask him, but I think the release date actually is in 2014. But you know what I'm saying? You can get a, a, a pre-order in. Make sure you watch it because I'm going to tell you, I showed it to my son. I asked him, did he learn anything? He was like, yes. Because this information that he shared and that is shared by the individual that's on this documentary is detrimental to your parents out there to know what's going on. I'm telling you, this ain't mm-hmm. us trying to sell you nothing. This ain't us trying to overhype anything. We're trying to express to you guys, make sure you go get this documentary. I'm telling you, if you believe in us and, you know, we got a lot of people that's been supporting us and believe what we say, we're telling you, mark our words. If we wrong, you come back and tell us we wrong. I'll fess up for it, but I'm going to tell you, we ain't wrong. <laughs> um, Alan. I think that... What's up, Alan? Man, I just want to say, man, uh, this was a great show to have today. I think that all our listeners who listened to the show was uh, enlightened on the information that was provided. The movie would definitely enlighten you a little bit more on a lot of things. I was definitely enlightened. When I watched the movie, it was a lot of statistics that I didn't know about myself that really enlightened me that I'm going to spread the word about. I mean, because it, it needs to be known, and a lot of people don't know this stuff. Most definitely. Yeah, go ahead. Um, what I, I just want to, you know, um, bounce off what Alan said. You know, the documentary talks a lot about, you know, the new slavery. And, like, we every day when you leave the house and you give your money and you put your money into your state, into corporations, into products, into things that, you know, help the enslavement of our people, you have to be conscious of that so you can stop that. And, by stopping it is stopping it with your money. And I think that, you know, uh, you'll find that this documentary is empowering because it will give you a little bit more information about how to how to help. Because, like, a lot of times you feel helpless, like, well, what can I do? What You know, this is so big, it's beyond me, and it's not beyond you. It's doing the little things, you know, getting your kids a library card. Stop, like Alan said, stop buying Jordan. Stop, you know. Stop participating in things that are destroying our people. And, you know, you'll walk away empowered. Most definitely. If you don't know, don't be afraid to ask somebody because everybody starts off with, you know what I'm saying, the understanding of what they understand. But to increase that knowledge, you have to participate in it to make sure you can increase that knowledge. So once again, we would like to thank everybody that took the time to listen to us tonight. Um, we did talk about the elementary genocide from primary to penitentiary, the documentary that our brother Raheem Shabazz did. Make sure you go out there and support, it, support that. That's Rasha Entertainment, RashaEntertainment.com, RashaEntertainment.com. If you're a friend with us on Facebook, you can go ahead and click on uh, the Middleman Talk Show Facebook page. We got it plastered everywhere. If you're one of my friends on Facebook, I'm sorry. But, yes, I blast your page with that poster <laughs> that we had on there all day today. And yesterday. So, once again, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. If you got any questions, comments, or anything like that, hit us up at wearethemiddleman at gmail.com. Also, we're in the runnings for uh, Slept On Radio Personalities of the Year. Radio Personalities um, of the Year. So, make sure you go vote for us at southernentertainmentawards.com, and we will appreciate you guys if we win because it's all about you guys also. Uh, thank you very much, and we appreciate it. We out. All right, tune in next week. The middle man shouted, 
Big Chris Shawty. Now I ain't sure what you was tuning in to. We'll pay attention to the real talk. What we here for? So take a listen, time out. Take a minute. Shout in and learn some. Put your mind to grind the world. You destined to earn some. Linda, yeah. Comment on what you hear. Let's figure out this master plan and put this thing in gear. Don't matter if you hood or you corporate. Don't get you got a wheel to do way better than you were doing. Well, then you fortunate. Take a stand. Stop complaining about what you ain't got. Hating on the next man because he was down the wreck shop. Every Sunday, tune in, go live, 6 p.m., blog talk, radio.com, the middle me. Hey, what's happening in the middle me? Hey, what's happening in the middle me? Hey, what's happening? Blog talk, radio.com.